What is happening, everyone? Coach Ishak with Hawkfit Coaching and Legion Athletics, and your host for today's episode of Anabolic Radio. I'm joined today by IFBB Austin Current. How are you doing today, Austin? What's up, man? How you doing? Doing well, doing well. We're going to have a great episode uh, for you guys. For the basis of this episode, we're primarily going to be talking about um, considerations versus general population clients and contest preparation clients. And, um, you know, this is something that I feel like is very important to be spoken about just because, you know, what you can be doing with your nutrition, what you can be doing with your, your training could be so expansive and coming in the space as a general population person, just simply trying to improve your health, build, uh, lose a little body fat, gain a little bit of muscle can be confusing at times and it can be hard to navigate. So we could open up this discussion, Austin, and then we'll go ahead and uh build off from there. So in your opinion, what are some biggest considerations to be taken into account when it comes to setting the contest prep client up versus a general population client up? It's a good question. I think timeline of goal is a really good um, place to start and where that client is currently in their health status and their physique and what's the projected timeline that that individual needs in a contest prep versus what that general population person just wants to accomplish over a given period of time. Um, you know, and, and I think it's, I think a lot of people get inspired by a lot of general population people get inspired by contest prep people they follow. And so we get into this headspace that my journey as a general population person has to look a lot like what contest prep looks like to that contest prep person. Right. And so we kind of get into these. And I, I talked about this on Emily Duncan's podcast fairly recently, kind of this idea of chronically going in and out of fat loss and muscle gaining phases. Um, especially as general population people and kind of how quote unquote toxic that can be to your, your mental health and you're just living your life, uh, honestly. And so I think it's really important to, to really kind of put forth some of these concerns and I like to, this is where talking to an individual, um, over the phone or over FaceTime or something before you work with them or, or, you know, maybe after they sign up and you're able to really hone in on where those things are, you know, where's their headspace at, where did they get this inspiration to either create change, um, and if it's a contest prep person, who do they, you know, who inspired you to do this? If this is your first show, like who are you following? What sort of trajectory are you expecting? And what's the end date, the end goal um, of this endeavor? And then like the gin pop person, especially because a lot of them are inspired, especially people in our circles that reach out to, to guys like us follow contest prep people and they're inspired by them and they're like, Hey, I don't necessarily want to do the contest prep, but you know, I want to go through, I want to lean out. I want to go through a fat loss phase or, you know, what my favorite person I follow always talks about. And it's important to re really frame from the start and manage expectations and mm. really understand where that person wants to get to. And you know, there's a, there's a component of giving, obviously you have to get buy-in, you know, obviously on, on the side of contest prep and general population clients, but it's more so important that you get buy-in, in my opinion, from general population people, uh, because typically to make that, you know, it's important for both. Absolutely. But I think for the contest prep person, they put up most likely they've put a lot of time and effort into choosing the right coach. They thought about this, they've given it consideration. They pretty bought into your systems. If they've gone through, they've signed up, they're working with you. Like they're pretty bought in, but to a general population person, they're probably more or less like they maybe looked at a few different options. Um, it was mainly based off of price and or proximity and or how you connected over the phone or in your conversation or what was offered in your programming or whatever it was. And so you still have a sort of a road ahead of you to, to gain that buy-in from that person. And so, 
you know, there, there's a component of setting expectations, understanding where that client's coming from in the, in the start. And I really think, you know, this is a pretty widely accepted, um, thing at this point, but I, I really think it's important that you give yourself enough time to figure out what's going to ensue over this next six months, essentially. Like, especially if it's your first prep, get into, get into the prep, figure out what a prep entails. You know, my first prep ever was six weeks you know, and I was already in pretty good condition, but I still lost a considerable, I mean, I was, I was very lean for my first show and I did it in six weeks, obviously would never recommend that to someone today, but you know, back in 2013, like I didn't know any better. I kind of did it myself. I had help from a, um, a, a natural bodybuilder that was at my gym who had had success, um, through the natural bodybuilding Olympia circuit. I was fortunate to have him there, like working at the gym I was at. And so he helped me kind of like set some things up and, but there's a lot to like leave on my own. And then the more I went on and the more I progressed in my competing career and, and I was helping clients with it, um, when that time came, the, the more and more time I would take, you know, I would take, if I knew I could do it in four months, I gave myself six to seven months to really, really do it because life happens. Things come up. Our lives aren't mm. as predictable. And so this happens more and more as you get older, but especially in a, in a very weird time that we're kind of in right now, life is not very predictable. Like at any time, your gym could be shut down at any time, you know, things could, could massively change. Like maybe the shelves aren't stocked as much as they, they once were because of what we're going through or, you know, things around you are just being shut down. Your life as a whole has changed. Maybe you've lost your job now. Like give yourself more time to really set your life up and see through the process of, of this experience. Um, and I think mm. that's the first line of defense, right? Obviously we haven't even got to what that looks like nutritionally or from a programming perspective, but I think, and, and like we were discussing before I, you know, we, before we hit record was like one of the biggest things I've learned over the last few years is, is the art of managing expectations and how mm. important that is for every individual. And we, we do implement that a lot within our coaching, um, whether it's contest prep or general population client. So not sure where you want to kind of take it from there, but that's kind of like my first line of defense. Um, you know, if you're, you're someone who's interested in, in, you're trying to search for a coach, you know, really search for, for a good one. That's good for you. Um, and, and be sure that they're, they're on board with connecting with you in this way. Be sure that they're on board with learning what you're about, learning why you want this, learning what, where your head's at with all of it before you really jump into it. Um, because not only that lets you know that they're in it with you, um, and they're not there just to kind of like, you know, kind of just figuratively throw your programming and nutrition at you and kind of like mm. see if you can do can jive through the experience, but actually like, are they there uh, with you throughout this process? And especially if you're doing a contest prep, you need someone there. Um, you know, and especially if it's your first time, like you need to, to have a good experience. I, I, I truly believe you need someone to be there with you. Uh, at least someone experienced and, or knows what the hell's going on. Absolutely. Great points, man. Great points. And, um, I think, you know, this is a question that's heavily context dependent. It's dependent on the individual and what they're trying to accomplish. But one point that I, uh, really love that you brought up is expectation management, right? Because a lot of people could have an expectation reality mismatch in regards to what they're trying to accomplish. And this could lead people trying to, you know, I mean, and it's even more common with, you know, Instagram today. Everybody wants to be lean and shredded, but they don't necessarily know what it takes to um, achieve that goal. Right. And they have an expectation and reality mismatch. They're trying to accomplish something in six weeks when, 
likely they'll need anywhere from a couple months to try and even get in a good position to actually induce a fat loss phase, right? So me personally, when I'm setting up a client, and I know it's probably the same for you as well, general health is probably the most important foundation um, when it comes to you know setting someone up right especially way before you um even induce a fat loss phase like if the goal is body composition related it must first and foremost start with restoring your health especially if you're coming from a place where you know you haven't been managing your nutrition appropriately for years or you've been super inactive and you don't have even like the strength to tolerate like a barbell um, or even a barbell squat, or you don't even understand the mechanics of the squat. It could be so expensive, but <coughs> reality and uh, or expectations in reality is something that you know has to be established at the get go. I definitely think um, setting short term and long term realistic goals is something that is super valuable, and this could also tie into um, you know uh, establishing a rate of loss, you know, depending on the person's experience level. So anywhere from one to 1.5 pounds, or maybe, um, you know, you could go on the aggressive end from anywhere from um, 1.5 to two pounds to maybe 2.5 pounds for maybe like an obese individual or someone who wants to um, achieve that goal in a quicker time frame, right? And I think that's super big. And, um, you know, establishing a rapport with your coach is something that's super important, right? And the more that you communicate, the better position that you're placing your coach in to understand what you're actually trying to achieve. And it's actually going to place them in a better position to, um, you know, make protocols more individualized for you and your lifestyle. And um, expectations is big. And um, definitely also think, you know, setting up your environment for success. So obviously, if you go to your pantry and it's filled with a bunch of processed things that aren't necessarily, you know, the best from um, a calorie spending perspective, right? And you go consistently lean on those things when you're trying to adhere to a calorie deficit, it's probably not the most productive thing you should be doing from, you know, obtaining a sufficient amount of micronutrients perspective or like wholesome, you know, uh, nutrient dense foods perspective. So I think that's something um, definitely big that should be taken into account. Now, when it comes to setting up your environment for success, um, how important do you think that is for a general population person versus a contest prep? I think it comes down to experience level a lot. Um, I think anyone is susceptible to failing on their own accord, uh, meaning that, you know, I, I would I would label myself someone with a lot of self-control. Uh, you know, I've gone through many, many contest preps um, and I would I would just label myself in control of my decisions uh, as a very introspective, self-reflective person. There's a gap period between sort of that stimulus sensation of or trigger and my response. And that's just something that I've collected over the years and gotten better at. But I think depending on your experience level and, and kind of your experience with dieting in your past and your kind of how you're you're setting this current one up, depending on how your coach or yourself is setting this up, um, it, could, it could be different for you. So I think managing your environment's huge. I think managing your environment to set yourself up for success and make the right decision easier to choose, essentially. You know, like make it easier to make the right decision. And I think that comes down to, you know, having having minimal things in your current environment that distract you, that cause you to choose foods, for example, or choose behaviors that aren't conducive to your end goal. Um, and, and a lot of that is comes down nutritionally. It comes down to, you know, I think, you know, I like, I grew up eating honey buns and, and God knows what, right? Swiss cake rolls and anything Libby, Little Debbie put out um, was the goat. So, Little you know, Debbie. yeah, so it was, you know, to have, but if you look at a, a even a small honey bun, right? Like you look at the macros of that, 
it could be like, I'm going to get this wrong. So I'm just kind of paraphrasing, but like, let's say 10 grams of fat, 48 carbs and one gram of protein for something that would take me two bites to eat. Right. And I'm going to be starving after I eat it. Like there's, there's going to be no satiation to that snack. Hyper palatable. Just hyper palatable. It's just, it's, it's pretty empty with, of nutrition other than just pure energy, calorie, um, density. And so, you know, that's not a great way to allocate resources. That's not a good place to allocate energy or, or allocate, um, towards the betterment of myself for that goal that I have. Right. Mm -hmm. So getting those type of foods and those type of triggers and, and things out of your environment, I think is really, really helpful and really crucial to making the better decision easier to make. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, similar to, Like when I work, I don't listen to music that has lyrics. When I'm working, I don't have anything on that can distract me like a video or the TV or, or anything like that. Or if I'm trying to, you know, go through a fat loss phase, like I don't even purchase the foods that I find to be my trigger of, you know, I know this certain type of cereal, I have a really hard time having one serving of it. I will quickly eat the whole box of it, not out of like... A, a bad relationship with food just because I know I could technically cut corners and still maybe get to where I want to go through experience. Mm-hmm. But I don't even want to have that in my environment. I don't even want to have those triggers there because as soon as I start making excuses and, and sort of deviations and detours without need, it's just purely there because like, Oh, maybe, you know, I could still do this. I'll just, I'll throw, I'll tack on some cardio at the end, or I'll just throw on a little bit more volume and and it'll be fine. And, you know, once you get into that headspace, when you can start to make excuses and you start to create things in your environment that you have to then now add more work to yourself to overcome again, that's not, that goes back to the general principle of make the better, make the easier, make the thing that's better for you easier to make, like make that decision easier, Mm -hmm. right? Make the good Mm -hmm. decision easier to make. So, um, it kind of comes down to that foundational principle. So I I think your environment's huge. I think your support system's huge. It's something I always talk about to, um, to everyone really competitors or general population is you need a good support system. You need someone who's supporting this goal, um, or a group of individuals who are kind of supporting this goal. They don't have to be on it with you. Um, but it definitely can help, but it, it needs to be someone that isn't constantly tearing that down or mocking it or belittling it or undermining it with pressures that don't need, need to be there. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if your partner isn't on board, you need to have a conversation to, you know, I, I've had numerous conversations with clients, um, both general population and contest prep of, you know, they're, they'll come to me and say like, Hey, I'm just, I'm struggling. My partner really isn't on board. Um, typically females, uh, because the male typically just doesn't quite understand their goal. And also males can just get away with more, um, reckless behavior and still somehow achieve what they want to achieve. Um, meaning they can just eat like assholes and still, you know, improve their body composition if they're doing other things correctly. Genetics are a little bit more on their side. Um, physiology is a little bit more on their side, things like that. But, um, you know, they'll come and they'll, they'll, they'll message me or, or email me and say like, Hey, I just, this isn't, this isn't working on behalf of, you know, just my partner doesn't get it or, um, he's just, he's not supporting this or these little comments really get to me and, and I end up eating the foods I don't want to necessarily eat. Or, you know, when I go, I'm at least they'll kind of gang up on me and they'll just, they'll make me eat something. And it's just, you really, when you take a step back from these things, you're just like, I, I, these all happen to me personally. Um, Mm. but I really learned how to address it head on with whether it's a partner or my family or those I'm hanging around, um, during the process. And I'm like, look guys, this has nothing to do with you. And if you are feel in any way insecure about my decisions here, I'm sorry, 
but I'm officially not like that's officially not my problem. And I, I love you, but I need this support from you guys. And I'm not asking for much. I'm just asking that I can sort of eat the food I want to eat in peace without you guys harassing me about it. And I don't think that's too much to ask. Um, and that's kind of how I said it. Still to be an my asshole. Yeah. And, and if you really think about it, like, why does it matter? Um, and typically it matters because they're now insecure because you're making them feel bad about their decision making, um, which is probably in their betterment of their health in general, which is probably ne not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but it can be bad for your relationship immediately um, when I get that. So, and if it's your partner, you need to have a conversation. What is the limiting factor? You know, what are the things that are just standing in their way of understanding what you want? Have you articulated what you want to your partner? Mm. You know, is this something that you've actually had a deep, meaningful, reflective conversation with your partner with or about? And the typical answer is, well, he kind of knows or I, I've kind of mentioned it. And, you know, being a male talking to a female in this this typical instance, you know, I almost have, I can come from the male's point of view and I can almost plead our stupidity of being able to read minds and to be able to extrapolate what you're trying to tell me, mm. like, you know, on the male behalf, right? So, or what you're trying to tell your partner. Um, and, you know, you need to lay it out, not that they're stupid, but you need to lay it out very obvious and very straightforward on why you're passionate about this happening, why you're passionate about creating this change, why you need this change in your life and how much it would mean to them that they support this goal. And if you do that, almost anyone is on board. Like if they're your partner, if they're your person you've chosen, they're going to be on board if you do your job and articulate it to them. Right. So you, mm -hmm. it's a two way street. You can't just expect someone to know something that you never told them. Right. And I think we do that a lot, uh, with those in our immediate environments. And I think that goes largely into controlling your environment alongside food and, and, um, other environmental cues. But I think your relationships play a huge role in that practice of creating change. Um, especially if it's positive change that typically makes others uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Great points, man. Great points. And to add on what you're saying, um, those of you who are listening, I'm assuming you understand that you don't necessarily have to restrict from certain foods, right? Everything in moderation. But there are some instances where those super high calorie dense, hyper palatable foods are not the most productive things you should be quote unquote, spending your calories on when it comes to an efficiency standpoint, right? When it comes to like getting the most nutrients out of the food you're consuming. And that's not to say you can't enjoy some ice cream or a slice of pizza here and there. It depends on your goal, right? Especially contest prep versus general population. If you have a general population person and you're taking more of an open-ended approach, you have more of that flexibility. Or if you're a competitor in the off season, you have more flexibility. Whereas with contest prep, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's also important to have locked in consistency in place. And that allows you to better manage your variables. And that allows you to know what changes need to be implemented, whether that be with your food selection or whatever the case may be. And, um, that's a great point. And, you know, just to add on a little more, um, you know, contest preparation isn't necessarily a inherently healthy process, right? And um, uh, although it might not be a healthy process, you know, getting to the level of conditioning that's required to be competitive, that's required to be competitive on today's stage, our goal should be to do it in the healthiest way possible while preserving health. And um, that's just something to take into account. So if you have a contest prep related goal and you're listening, um, a contest prep can exacerbate a lot of issues that you already have 
whether that be with your health or whether that be your relationship with food. So that's just something very big you have to take into account before, you know, going further with that goal, right? And really just communicating with the coach. Like, you don't have to start working with them right away. But if you literally, if they're a good coach, you know, and they're setting you up correctly, you're going to have a consult. You're going to have a phone call. You're going to have a conversation about your goal and what you should be doing going forward. And these are all things you should be bringing to their attention, right? And um, you shouldn't be scared of communicating these things with them either asking them these types of questions so that's just something to take into account and if they're being an asshole about it that's a red flag automatically right off the bat and um so great points austin and just to uh further build off into this when it comes to tracking progress okay uh, one big reason as to why a lot of people you know, don't progress, um, whether that be with improving their health or whether that be with their body composition related goals. The big reason why a lot of people don't progress is because they don't have any form of quantifiable data they're able to manipulate over time or see these trends with, right? So when it comes to tracking progress, there's a few metrics that we use, um, that I use when I'm working with my clients, I'm sure you used to. That's, you know, just weighing yourself consistently, taking weekly, or bi-weekly pictures of yourself, taking body measurements, um, keeping a training log so you can see how you're progressing with your training, right? And that allows, that gives so much insight to the coach as to what you're doing and, you know, what you're able to uh, recover from and still progress. And um, using a pedometer to really um, quantify how much you're moving every single day, right? Neat, non-exercise activity thermogenesis is something that goes over most people's heads. Probably one of the easiest, simplest ways to see changes um, in body composition, especially if like you're a super sedentary person. But um, Austin, I digress. Uh, let's go ahead and hear from you when it comes to tracking your progress. Um, how big of a variable do you think that contributes to someone's ability to progress? I think it's a big one because... I, I always say this, but success lies in the metrics you're tracking. So, you know, this goes back to sort of, you know, this could be on any front, whether that's sort of your social reach or how you're valuing your social um, landscape as a whole, uh, how you're valuing your your body composition changes, your physique changes, and how you're managing again, managing those expectations and how your coach is managing feedback and behavior. So I think all the things you mentioned are absolutely important. And I think keeping tabs on things like uh, digestion is really big. Uh, I think keeping tabs on things that uh, like sleep is very big, right? Because there's there's a deemable sweet spot of deficit volume, uh, talking calorie deficits, volume, uh, training volumes, training intensities, um, training stimuli or stimuli based off of kind of what's the, what is the peak effort I can get out of you? Not that you're capable of, but what's the peak effort that your body is capable of while still maintaining a good health status, while your blood markers are still looking good, your recovery still looking good, your sleep's good your digestion's not wacky, right? So I ask a question, you know, we ask questions about what your digestion looks like, what your stool looks like, right? So, you know, we don't need photos, but I, I like to, <laughs> I like to know whether, you know, is that a good toothpaste consistency? Is that how, you know, is that a once, twice a day occurrence, like pretty normal? And what I can, what we can extrapolate from that is, you know, if we go six weeks where everything's really normal and all the other markers are holding up, but, you know, as we're progressing volume, as we're progressing intensity, as we're progressing uh, sort of volume or intensity of calorie deficit, does digestion now go to, well, now I went five times in a day and it's kind of watery and um, I just, I, I feel kind of, I'm feeling impacts there, but everywhere else I feel kind of okay. Well, okay, was that something that we ate or can I sort of see what's going to happen next week in 
we're going to stop recovering. Your sleep's going to start going to shit. Um, you know, there's early signs of what's going to happen, right? So your physiology is going to respond. And sometimes you may still feel fine. You can work through it, you know, and this is where having a good coach and this is where having a good relationship and a good a good relationship with that coach, but a good relationship to what you're trying to accomplish. Because, you know, me being, you know, a prideful person, uh, someone who really does care about giving my full efforts, um, showing who I am within a process, right? And especially contest prep, uh, or, or transformation physically is always one of those where we don't want to feel weak. We don't want to seem weak to others. We want to seem like we're dominating this experience and we are the owner kind of, the, we're, we're taking extreme ownership of this and we're not going to be beaten by this process. And that typically manifests itself into people overdoing it and not listening to their physiology, not listening to their, their mental health, not listening to the markers that that are right in front of them. And if you're not tracking them, you don't quite know what they're there, right? Mm. You don't, you don't really notice. You don't take notice to, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I just go to the bathroom, like, or I just, sometimes I, I usually wake up four times a night, like whatever, but I train hard and it's like, no, okay, these, these things matter, man. Like all these things matter. And so if we're noticing things downstream or upstream are starting to, to really change or, um, our, our progressions in training or intensity or volume of, of deficit or whatever duration of time, uh, into the prep, things just really start to, to go backwards for us or, or deviate. We need to notice, and that may be a sign of taking a diet break. That may be a sign of um, spending time in maintenance to see if these things sort of autocorrect themselves uh, or something else obvious comes up that, that could be lingering. Um, and then just keeping mental health in check, right? So keeping tabs on how did you feel this week? Are you someone who kind of uh, regularly has a meditation practice? Are you a mindful individual? Is this something that's important to you? Um, if not, and you have a lot of accumulated stress in your life, you're a very anxious person, you don't quite know how to handle your mental health, well, here's some suggestions on how to handle that. Or here's some practices that have shown to be very worthy or, or noteworthy of, of improving those, those things, right? So Everything physical could be on point, but if your mental health isn't there, um, that's a huge piece of the puzzle. And, you know, if you're chronically anxious or chronically stressed or, or whatever, we, we know that that's going to manifest itself into negative impacts on your physique, negative impacts on recovery and performance. And it may just not be a good time for you to, to go through this experience or, um, you know, if that's a contest prep or if you're someone who is just a general population client or just a, a kind of your, your, your gym goer who, who loves the experience and likes to create change or is looking to create a change like this, then we may need to alter that goal, right? So this may not be the time to, because as you said, these, these processes exacerbate issues, right? So if we have a small issue that we can't really, really see, there's always a threshold at which we're not really seeing side effects of this issue that is there. But when we do something to intensify what we're doing, it's going to exacerbate this issue. And I don't know how many issues each individual has. I mean, we all have our own issues, right? But like, is this an issue that's going to drastically impact what we're trying to do? Maybe, maybe not. But we don't figure that out until a couple months in, three months in, four months in. Um, and that's what I said in the beginning is managing expectations, setting a, an accurate timeline um, and having just a good idea because even if you're a seasoned competitor, each contest prep is different, right? You, you, things, you, you may lose body fat easier, some contest preps than others. And it all, it all comes down to what your life looks like and everyone's life typically is ever evolving and always changing, right? And unless you're Benjamin Button, we all typically get older in this process. So things tend to fall apart as we age, um, get a bit harder. 
and life seems to get more complicated, right? So that's, mm. those are pretty, those are, those are things that we pretty, uh, we understand pretty well. And so it's important that you're constantly evolving your methodology. You're constantly evolving your, your approaches to what you're trying to do. Mm. Mm. Always evolving, always getting better, always improving. Great points, man. Just to build off what you said, you'd mentioned biofeedback. So for those of you who are listening, you have no idea what biofeedback is. Chances are you've probably been using it, but you don't know. And it's simply your body relaying messages and health status updates to you, right? All you have to do is really tune in and listen to those. And biofeedback could range anywhere from like your heart rate to your blood pressure to stress. Stress is a big one. Stress is such a big one because we only have so much control over the amount of stress we're able to induce through our resistance training, right? And what we can't manage has to be worked out through activities like meditating or talking to someone or going on a walk or this is why stress management is so crucial when it comes to any, you know, body composition or physique transformation and um, further expand off the biofeedback, you know, sleep, digestion, like you said, and me personally, I have a section in the I know you probably do too because biofeedback is huge, right? Um, but I have a section in the spreadsheet where we track biofeedback. So literally, you just have to listen to your body and how you feel. This could be, you know, digestion after you consume a certain food or certain meal and, it, you know, it upsets your stomach or it's not digesting properly or whatever the case may be. Biofeedback is huge and it's, a, it's a, a tool that's severely underrated when it comes to, um, you know, getting more data that will make getting from point A to point B 10 times easier. And um, I know we briefly spoke about sleep and um, how much of a big role do you think that plays when it comes to hunger management, right? Because, you know, we rely on two hormones to help us when it comes to, you know, our hunger throughout the day. And that's leptin, ghrelin. If there's an imbalance in that, you know, we're more prone to be consuming hyperpalatable, less satiating based food. So you want to expand off into there? Yeah, we can briefly. Uh, um, you know, there, there's a... There's a deep, deep hole that we can go down to with sleep and behaviors that you're you're putting forth to either make your sleep better or worse on a daily basis, on a decision-decision basis, um, down to you know how much coffee you're consuming or caffeine you're consuming. As we live in a more and more caffeinated world, um, right? So like. The, the monster brands, rain, bang, like all these great tasting energy drinks that are really popular that we don't maybe we maybe don't think of like, you know, you have two a day and then, you know, you could maybe have tea in the afternoon and or maybe you started with a coffee and then midday you needed this, this and this. And all of those decisions are throwing off your circadian rhythm and throwing off your ability to then sleep uh, well or have good sleep quality, um, even if you have good sleep quantity. Uh, so don't get too uh, lost in that. Oh, I, I just, I always, I always sleep, you know, I just, I'll sleep my seven hours and it doesn't matter. I could, I could drink coffee right before I go to bed and, and I can, I'll sleep fine. And it's like, you may sleep the hours, but it doesn't mean you're sleeping well, right? It doesn't mean you're getting the quality of sleep. And that does impact, um, as someone, you know, I know we chatted about this briefly as someone who's struggled with sleep over the last couple of years. Um, you know, this is something I've had to, that I never had a problem with, uh, throughout my life. And all of a sudden I, you know, a lot of things happened and I found myself with really troubled sleep over a couple of year period. And so this topic is close to my heart and it's something that has taken, you know, it will take a toll on your, your life. It will take a toll on your health. It'll take a, a toll on every part of your life and every part of your health. Um, and if that, when that comes to a contest prep, you need to safeguard your sleep like like it's like it's your training session right like you wouldn't dare allow someone to to completely strip that from you right like you'd figure out a way to do it and you do it well and you do it to the best of your abilities and sleep should not should not go um 
to the wayside. untethered, right? It shouldn't go to un, you know to the wayside, and you shouldn't forget it. Um, it shouldn't be some, it shouldn't be an afterthought. It should be a forethought that I know things that I'm doing well today. If you're you know if you're choosing to do, go through a contest prep, obviously depending on your responsibilities in life, you know whether you have children or you have a demanding job or um, whatever you have a lot of responsibilities that pull you away from this one thing, you got to prioritize those things more and more, right? Like you have to really, really prioritize. All right. When is this training session going to be done? When can I do it well? And when can it happen in the day? And what can I do in my life to make this sleep a priority? And, you know, this is harder for some and, and easier for others, but I think no matter who you are, you have to take responsibility for it and it should not be an afterthought because it can have such a, a large impact on your, your, uh, your satiety, your, your appetite as a whole, your metabolism as a whole, your ongoing health status, your ability to recover and perform your ability of, to, uh, have a good rate of fat loss, um, mm. muscle retention, um, brain health, mental health, right? So all the benefits that are, that we adore and love from strength training, everything from, uh, in, you know, improved muscle status, so improved muscle mass, tissue, strength, um, balance, coordination, cardiometabolic health, mental health, mm. brain health, right? So there's so many things, um, longevity into older adulthood, uh, later in life, more independence, uh, less chance to get Alzheimer's, dementia, um, memory disorders, things like that. Right. So there's so many things that we almost, uh, we're, we're starting to pay more attention to within this sort of why resistance training, why strength training is so valuable. Um, but we haven't seemed to connect in the, in, the, in the world of hustle that we live in, the, the world of grind and, and distraction. Um, and I'm right there with you. I'm not talking down to you. I'm on your playing. I'm on your level here. I'm, I'm with you. I, you know, we live in a world where we have endless opportunity to, to work all day long, or we're, we're in a world where we can chronically be distracted, um, and taken off course of our main goal. And that's to, be productive, be efficient, be effective in our day, whether that's in our relationships or our profession or towards our body composition goals or contest prep goals or whatever. So it, it mm. definitely, if there's one thing to take from that is sleep should not be an afterthought. It should absolutely be a forethought and it, it should be a, a forethought that's just as important as your training session. Mm. Great points, man. Great points. And, um, you know, for those of you who are listening, who aren't even interested in, you know, contest prep or contest prep related goals, um, there's, there's so many health benefits that come alongside resistance training and just taking steps to improve your health. And chances are in improving your health, you'll not only be able to work more efficiently and effectively, but you'll enjoy your quality of living. And, um, you know, most people aren't competitive athletes with timetables. So if you feel like you need to, you know, take things a little bit slower, you know, with your goal or, you know, how consistently you go to the gym or, you know, what you're doing nutritionally, then that's not a problem at all. You know, there's no end date to this, right? When you achieve your goal, you're not going to completely fall off track. The goal is to integrate this as part of your lifestyle to improve your quality of living not hinder it. And I think that's something that goes over most people's head. And um, when it comes to, we could expand off into nutritionally or training wise, but when it comes to, you know, improving consistency, specifically on the nutrition side of things, um, I feel like what you do over time has a such has such of a significant impact on your ability to achieve that end goal and like enjoy the process and you know your whole system along the way so obviously measurement technique that's something that's super big either you know you know quantifying how much you're consuming is super important therefore you'll be able to better determine which direction you need to be moving in in conjunction to listening to your biofeedback and your fluctuations on the scale, right? And so the measurement technique is super big. I know um, 
you know, if you have a contest prep related goal, there can be periods of times or even at the tail end of the contest prep where um, you can be a little neurotic with it. Um, and that's not inherently a bad thing, but it's just what's required in order for you to achieve that goal that you set out for yourself. For a general population person, like I said at the beginning of this episode, um, if you have an open-ended approach for your goal, you have a little bit more flexibility that you're able to um, exercise, right? And uh, I think um, making it a big deal is super big, you know, because it's important. It's your nutrition. It's your health. It should be something that's managed appropriately, right? And, um, you know, the ability to quickly track foods and study those trends is a tool that's severely underrated by so many people. And I'm not saying you have to be tracking 24-7 for the rest of your life, but really just give it a go for six months and challenge yourself and Think about what you're able to learn through that throughout that entire process. And as soon as you gain a little bit more experience, you'll be able to, you know, not track so neurotically or consistently. You'll be able to take a little bit more of an informed, intuitive approach when it comes to your nutrition. And um, so in your opinion, um, what are some techniques that you would like the listeners to um, consider when it comes to improving their consistency on the nutrition side of things or even on the training side of things? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I think that it's important that there's, I think there's a lot of disconnection between, um, and I don't know where this necessarily stems from or comes from, but I think there's a lot of disconnection between other parts of our life and what we do nutritionally. So I don't think anyone would tell you otherwise that, you know, understanding your budget, uh, financially, um, budgeting your, your finances over a six month period would be a bad endeavor. I don't think that would, anyone would rationally tell you that that's a bad idea. Um, just to get a, a grasp on your, your bad spending habits. And this is the same with food, right? So we have bad spending habits on how we, we spend our, um, kind of our food budget on. Um, so in that, you know, that I think that has a direct correlation as far as how it all operates and the, the, the mindset we take on it to things like our finances, the things like, um, like a contest prep or, or a goal, um, a body composition goal is a lot like you having a, a strict deadline for something at work, right? You're going to have to put things, uh, disciplines forth and you're going to have to make things a priority that gets you closer to that goal. And so a fat or changing your body composition or going through a contest prep, you know, that's just, it's a physical deadline where the tools to get to that deadline of achieving that goal are things we have to do physically. They're, your nutrition matters. Your ability to, to manage your nutritional budget matters. Your ability to track things closely matters. Um, your ability to concentrate on that physical goal matters. So your ability to create consistency at the gym and with your nutrition and sleep and all of these things matter, right? So I, I don't think, again, I don't think people would think twice about well, I have a strict deadline at work, so I have to get to work at the same time. You know, I have to get there early every day and I have to I have to stay concentrated on what I'm doing for these chunks of time because I know I have a meeting midday that's going to throw me off. And like these are habits that we have at work professionally. These are habits we have in our relationships that we don't think twice about. Um, these are habits hopefully you have within your financial life um, that we're all trying to kind of chronic, you know, constantly get better at. Um, but for some reason, there's this correlation with nutritional health or, or mental well-being that have almost been extrapolated and um, generalized that if you're tracking your nutrition closely or you care about it and you're, you seem a little bit more focused or diligent or consistent with it more so than what that person would 
or one of your friends or um, maybe a colleague or uh, someone else who's ill-informed on your goals would label an unhealthy behavior, right? They would label it. And again, some of this does manifest into unhealthy behaviors. So I'm not discounting that by any stretch. And if you do find yourself in this situation, there are professionals out there to help you who are trained to do mm. so. And you should seek out their guidance. And we see this with mental health, with therapists and in whatever else. But, and I believe in those practices, but don't automatically label someone. So if you're someone who has friends in your, in, in your life, or you have people in your life that you've sort of mislabeled or misrepresented because they do care about these things, think about that, reflect on why you, why you're thinking that and reflect on why you're judging these people just for caring about it. Right. So they don't judge you for working hard at work. They don't judge you for being diligent about concentrating on your emails six hours a day. They don't, they don't belittle you for caring about your budgeting. And, you know, I'm not going to go out and splurge on dinner. I'd rather just cook at home. So why are we belittling people for caring about what they're ingesting and their, what they're putting into their body and how they're sort of putting forth that effort to create a, a positive change within their life physically, um, which we know has, has a huge impact on your life and all other areas, right? Um, you have an increased sense of well-being, um, satisfaction within life. Um, you're more confident. You have a higher self-esteem. So self-esteem is just kind of that reputation you have about yourself. It's it's the reputation that you hold about yourself um, or to yourself. And so, you know, there's a lot of positive things that can come from this. Obviously, they can manifest themselves, as I said, in negative behaviors, right? And that's something that you should seek guidance on if you've reached that point or, you know, have someone. And this is where a coach kind of comes in sometimes too, is, is helping you better manage those things, right? Mm. So you get overwhelmed, you get over, over obsessive on things that maybe don't matter, um, as much, right? You give weight to things that are less important to things that you're not even thinking about that have a lot more weight, right? So this manifests itself typically into, well, I'm, I'm doing a ton of training, you know, I'm, I'm training seven days a week. I'm, I'm eating little to no food. You know, I should be progressing. And then you start to ask like, well, how's your stress? You know, are you, how's your sleep? How are your relationships? You know, how's your work life? Um, and they're like, well, all that stuff doesn't matter. I'm just focused on my physical. And it's like, those things matter. Those things matter way more than you think, right? So instead of training seven days a week, let's train four. Instead of eating a thousand calories, let's eat 1800, you know? And now let's, now let's focus on getting these other parts of our life in order. And what you typically mm. see is everything sort of starts to fall into place. You know, if not perfectly, they start to fall into place a little bit better. Right. So these things do matter. But I think my main point there was to sort of reevaluate the way you're thinking about the relationship you have or you have to others who care about their physical health. Um, and I think it's important to safeguard because other people, as you go through your life, other people will. Again, I don't know where this comes from, but they will, and probably insecurity, but they will belittle you. Um, they will make you feel bad about making a better decision for yourself, right? And we see this with, if, you're, if you've ever been in a relationship where you're trying to improve yourself, but your partner doesn't believe in that, or they haven't gotten to that place, you know, you could just, you know, it typically comes up to be, well, we're growing in different directions. Mm. That's typically what's said, right? And it's true. And I think this is the same with relationships you may have, whether this is close or just professional. Um, you know, if you go out to eat and you get a salad, they're like, oh, you don't need to eat a salad. You're skinny. You know, oh, you're there. Oh, you're fine. Like, just just eat one burger. And it's like, that's not why I'm not eating a burger. I feel fine with eating a burger. It's that in other parts of my life, I, I really this matters to me and I, I'm making this decision for myself and not you. And I don't think that needs any more explanation. I don't think they deserve anything more than this is my decision. You can get a burger. I'm not going to sit here and I don't care what you eat. Do you, like, you have an energy balance, bro? 
Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, that's sort of my main point there. Like there's a lot of places I could have gone with that, but I think it's important that we reframe and restructure the way we're considering and thinking about these things, Mm. whether they're for ourselves or for others. Um, and the habits and consistencies and the things that you can get better at and improve upon will come over time and you'll, you'll get better at that. But I, I think until you learn how to consider it and think about it, all of those things are second to first figuring out where you stand on this thing or you stand on these things um, and how you're judging yourself or others for making these decisions. Absolutely, man. Great points. Great points. Absolutely love what you said. And, um, you know, I think mental health is something that's not really spoken about too often in the industry. And it's something that I feel like it has a significant impact on a lot of people, especially when it comes to like achieving um, whatever goal that you set out for yourself. Um, and this is maybe just me just asking this for my own curiosity. How can we switch the conversation or bring more attention to the impact that the mental health side of things has on an individual. Mm. That's a good question. Uh, Again, I, I think it's, it comes back to reframing our, our thought process on it. And I, I think it comes back to reframing our reward systems. So we're rewarded. Uh, I, I just mean generally and or culturally, um, you typically rewarded, especially in Western culture to, you know, if you work long hours, you, you dedicate, you know, you work hard, you make more money. Um, you impact a greater number of people, whether that's good or bad. Um, you do these things, you, you're self-sacrificing. Um, those are rewarded for being good, right? And we're not necessarily rewarded as much of, today I took a day off. No one's, you're not going to get a message. You're not going to get a plethora of DMS or, you know, a ton of feedback to like, yes, dude, like, or, you know, yes, that, you know, this is the best thing for you. I'm so proud of you. This is awesome. You know, congratulations. And I'm not saying it should be met with that, but I'm saying that, you know, if you post something and, or you put forth something in your life that, you know, gets you higher status, you know, you get a new car or you, you make it known that you you've made more money or this was a big deal or you got this deal or that deal or you're doing this or that, right? Those are then rewarded with positive reinforcement of like, oh, these are the good things, right? So I need to work harder and harder and harder um, and sacrifice, you know, maybe a week long holiday I would have taken or sacrifice a weekend off because I'm not going to be rewarded for that. And it almost take, we almost see it as a something that takes away from what we could be rewarded for, right? So it's almost like dead space when mm. it's not. You know, it, it, taking time off. And again, I'm speaking to myself. Like I posted something a couple of years ago um, that I can uh, constantly think about, and I was I remember it because I was in Portugal, and it was just a great time. It was a great couple of weeks with my wife, and it was just it was awesome. And um, I, I really wish I could have. Thinking back on it, I wish I could have been there more uh, mentally, but nonetheless, I was still there, and I, I got some good experience from it. But, um, you know, I posted this when I was in Portugal and I, when I was, I thought about it when I was sitting on the beach, reading a book and taking time off. And I was like, you know, what would happen if we took our own advice? What would happen? Like, what would your life look like if you took your own advice on a daily basis? Like cut the shit, cut the nonsense, stop feeding yourself excuses. Like what would happen objectively? If you took your own advice that you're giving everyone else, like what would happen if you were more self-compassionate, you were, you gave yourself more slack like you do everyone else, right? Like what would life be like for you? It'd probably be a little better. I'm not saying it'd be an incredibly, incredible difference. I think for some people it would, but it definitely would be better. I think, um, 
and it would be probably more enjoyable. It'd be a little bit more relaxed, but driven. Um, and again, these are all hard things to balance. So, you know, I'm not, this isn't a one size fits all thing, but I think this is something that we all should consider more on. And I think we should surround ourselves with people who reward the things that we know to be better for you. Right. So if you and I are in a conversation or texting or whatever we're doing and it's like, you know, and I feel as if, you know, you ask me what I'm doing. I don't feel obligated to say, man, I just grinded a 14 hour day, like fucking crushed it. And, you know, I, all this stuff happened. I got this deal and that deal. And, you know, this did this. And I don't feel obligated to, t- to tell you that. I, I feel, I mean, hey, what are you doing? Uh, I took a nap. I read a book. Um, I got some emails done. What about you, man? And it's like, that's not, that's not met with like, oh man, I've been grinding. Like, oh, I've been doing this. It's like, yeah, cool, man. Like, awesome. I'm glad you, I'm glad you gotten some time off. Like I'm, I could take some time off myself, you know? And it's, it's not that again, like you're, I'm being, I need to be rewarded for saying that, or I'm trying to like virtue signal of, oh, look at me. I'm, so relaxed and chill and have it all together. It's just the the things that are good for us, that are good for our mental health, I think should be a little bit higher up on the hierarchy of of importance. And they should be a little higher up on our, our reward system um, that we're kind of manifesting or putting out into the world or how we're reacting to, to things. Right. Um, You know, And then that kind of feeds into behavior. So depending on who you're surrounding yourself with, right? So if you bust your balls for a month, you make a little extra money, you know, depending on who you're hanging around, you could decide with that extra money to get a new car or you could decide to take a chill week, take a holiday, take time off and sort of reap the rewards, not of status and vanity gain, but reap the rewards of your hard work and take some time for yourself. Take some time to spend time with your friends, play some cards, read a book, go on a trip, do something that's for you, that isn't for someone else, right? I'm not saying getting a car that is for you is a bad thing. I'm just saying we typically don't make those purchases for our sole gain, right? Like it's a status, it's a, it's a virtue signal. It's a, it's a status symbol of some kind. Um, and not in all cases, like if you need a new car, dude, get a new car, but it's, it's typically not why, you know? And I think, I think that's where we could, we could start the conversation. So who are you spending your time around? Um, and, and what do they reward? Like, what do they think is cool? And I spend more time around people that you want to, you want qualities of yourself to be reflected in them. Right. Mm. So if you're, if you're hanging around a bunch of people who are very materialistic and you don't want to be as materialistic anymore, maybe change your environment, change your social circle a bit, find more people that care less about those things and care more about the things you care about, spending time with each other, care, like taking weekends off, going on trips, going on hikes, you know, going on a camping trip, whatever that looks like to you. But it's, it's going to be reflected in who you spend time around. So, um, and we're very influenced, all of us, no matter how much control you feel like you have. Like we're all very influenced by those who, who are around us on a daily basis. So, mm-hmm. um, even this is your social following, right? So what, what's being reinforced? So when you, when you hop on social, what's being reinforced? Is it, is it a lot of virtue signaling? Is it a lot of, is it a lot of, uh, clout gain or is it a lot of, um, materialism stuff? Like, is it a lot of, uh, you know, so there was a lot to my early career where I followed anyone and everyone who were, who was grinding, like getting after it, like motivating the hell out of me to, to, because that was who I rewarded that. Like that's what I thought was the most important thing to me, you know, at the time. And now I've almost swept my entire following and replaced them with people who, who just care less about those things. It's not, you know, I'm not the the following isn't perfect on that regard, but it's definitely changed because 
you know, who we follow is people that we spend time with on a daily basis, right? Um, it's people that are in our direct and our immediate environment. So mm. it's important that you also audit those people uh, because they can be triggering more than you know. Mm. Man, that was a gem, gem of a response. Super valuable episode, man. I know a lot of people are going to take tons of um, tons of value away from this. And um, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, yeah, I would love to do it again in the near future. Um, do you have any take home um, things you let the audience um, in on or any projects you have in the work? Um, yeah, thank you. I, there are definitely some things in the works. Um, but in the immediate sense of, you know, where you could find me or or find more of my stuff is, uh, I hang out on Instagram, uh, just my name at Austin current. If you type in Austin you typically find the guy with the beard, that's me. Um, and, uh, just physiquedevelopment.com. That's our coaching coaching business and uh we do a lot through there um and i have a podcast that i i feel as if i am best articulated through i feel like you're getting it's it's a platform that are it's a it's a medium where i feel like the most of me is able to be shared um and connected with so uh that's called life beyond fitness and I, it's a, it's, it's a podcast where I have a lot of nuanced conversation as you can probably, you know, kind of extrapolate from how I spoke on today's podcast. Like it's a lot on the nuance. It's a lot on context, you know, and it's a lot on real world's conversation. And, um, a lot of it too, is to get other fitness professionals, people in this landscape that we always hear talk about research or talk about reps and sets or whatever else training volume or arguing this or that, or debating on topics. It's really where I get them out of that. And I just have a conversation like we were at a coffee shop talking, you know, about life or shooting the shit or whatever. And so I've really enjoyed it. It's added a ton of value to my life. And um, I've got, I've thankfully gotten some great feedback from others that have said, have said it's, it's sort of been a fresh uh, breath of fresh air um, amongst the other, you know, podcast they listen to on a daily basis. And I didn't want to be another uh, fitness podcast um, because physique development, we're going to have, we have one or it's launching soon um, physique development podcast. So that's where a lot of that will go um, where I'll put a lot of my fitness efforts. But for me, it's important that I have weekly or monthly conversations that are beyond fitness Right. And that's where you get the title life beyond fitness. So that's really where you can find me. (laughs) All right, guys, go give him a follow on Instagram. Um, you, if you're listening to this now, you already listened to the episode with Alex Bush. So go give them both follow, um, follow physique development and, Go listen to episode of Life Beyond Fitness and stay on the lookout for um, some of the things that Austin has in the works. I want to thank you again for coming on, man. Genuinely appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much.